You're listening to the Better Two Podcast with DM Needham. Hi, gang. Donna here, and welcome to the Better Two Podcast. Today's guest is Kathy Davis. She is a plant-based lifestyle coach and recipe developer and CEO of Veggie Inspired. But while we talk about that, and it's kind of interesting because we talk about lifestyle changes, there is a bigger story here because her and her husband about four years ago decided to sell everything they own. Well, almost everything. There's some stuff in a storage shed and get in an RV fifth wheel trailer and explore the United States with their three cats. We talk about that. We talk about what it's like to do that. We talk about what it's like to get rid of everything. We talk about relieving the stress of, you know, the nine to five, that white picket fence American dream. We talk about how by rejecting it in a way and doing their own thing, they've realized what is a value and how important life really is. So it's an interesting podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you like the show, please leave a review. If you have a question, please send me an email at Donna at better2podcast.com. Enjoy the show. Hi, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. So where are you currently located? Because this is going to be part of our story, I know. So where are you at? Yeah, so I am currently in Franklin, North Carolina. It is the western part of North Carolina in the right along the edge of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Oh, I hear the mountains are very nice. They are beautiful. And when while we're recording this, it's just the beginning parts of autumn. So the leaves are just starting to change, which is exciting. Nice, nice. We have where I live at in Illinois, I live in the northern part of Illinois. So we get all the lovely leaf change as well. So it's, it's beautiful. So let's, let's go for a second. Where did you start this whole adventure? And then we'll get more into detail about this adventure. So where did you initially start? I, we started this adventure in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Now for all those that are listening that don't know, Kathy and her husband decided, well, we're going to try living in an RV with our cats. And how has that worked out? It's amazing. Okay. It's amazing. So tell us about the adventure. What made you decide to do it? Yes. So this all really started, I would say the idea started probably four years ago and we were thinking about renovating our kitchen so that I could film some recipe videos from the kitchen. And this evolved to us moving into an RV. So you can imagine that there's a story behind that. Oh yeah. Uh, we started looking at land and property and thinking, oh my gosh, it'd be so awesome if we could have an outdoor space and we can buy a, one of these houses. And then the more exploration we did on the different types of homes that you can put on property, we read somewhere that somebody could put an RV. And I said, well, I'm willing to look, I don't know that I could live in it, but I'm willing to look at it maybe temporarily while we build a house. And we walked into the RVs at the dealership. And we're blown away. Four foot kitchen island, beautiful picture windows. And I was thinking, gosh, I, 
I could definitely hang out here for a little while, right? It's kind of cool. And we took some travel weekend travels, but most of our time off was really spent visiting family, which were about four hours away. And we really started to get that travel bug. So we looked into people traveling and how people travel and you could do the Airbnb and all of that, but we really, we wanted to bring our cats. We had, we had three cats at the time and we wanted to bring them with us. You can't always do that. You know, some places are not pet friendly and they might be pet friendly to maybe one dog, but three cats with their claws, you know, you start to, they, they start, there start to be rules and we didn't want those rules. So we came across people that were living in an RV and traveling the United States. And we thought, wow, we could do that someday. It's the infamous word, right? We always say we can do it someday. And so things in our lives happened and, and we started to recognize how short life can really be. And we said, my gosh, we need to make someday happen. And so we both kind of sat back and said, what would that look like? How would we work? How would we, how would we make this work? And it was, so we're recording this in October of 2021. It was July of 2018 that we met with our real estate agent. And I know that because the next bit of the story is just going to blow you away. We met with our real estate agent in July. We listed our house in August. At the end of August, we took advantage of a sale at the RV dealer and went ahead and purchased the RV. Two weeks later, we got an offer on our house with a 30-day closing. Wow, okay. And so almost to the date of recording, three years ago, we picked up the RV from the RV dealer that they had been holding for us with our brand new pickup truck because we travel in a fifth wheel. And we towed it to our first campground and wow, what an experience. And I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't have any idea. I mean, we were all in, but gosh, I just didn't know how I would feel about it three years later. So it's exciting to be having, having this conversation almost three years to the date and really being able to explore everything that's happened. Yeah. I I mean, my husband, we talked about at one point getting an RV. So we went looking at the RVs and his parents used to do a lot of traveling out West when he was a kid and he was totally blown away. I mean, I had no experience getting in an RV, but you know, we looked at some that had a electric fireplace in it. I mean, it was all just top of the line and you're just sitting there going, wow. I mean, this is, you know, it's like those star trailers you hear about in Hollywood because it's like, it's not your mom and dad's RV. It's not the ones that you've seen on, on in the movies that are just like about to fall apart. And I know campgrounds have now changed their rules that if it's a, over a certain amount of time, you can't bring it to a campground. So, um, so I take it, you have no regrets about this. No regrets. I mean, I mean, the, the regret everybody always says, right. Is I wished I'd done it sooner, but no regrets. It's, it is a dream life. I wake up every day and I'm grateful. We've been to amazing places that it would have taken us years to, to get vacation time built up and PTO and save money for flights or driving that far. And really to be able to move our home, work remotely and explore, you know, during our free time has, has changed our lives for the better. There's, there was one, and I know this isn't 
there was one RV we looked at because when you said you had cats that actually had a setup where there was a little kitty door that you could put the litter box and you could lift it up outside to pull the litter box out. So, I mean, they've even considered these things now with, with RVs. So, I mean, it has to be pretty amazing that your life has completely changed. And yeah, that that's one of the things like, like you're describing. I mean, my husband and I looked at him and we talked about getting one. We never did. And he's gone now. So that is kind of, so yeah, you have to, you have to really look at where is my life going? What do I want to do? You can't keep saying, well, one day I'll do this because one thing he always said is that when my parents die, I want to move out of Illinois. I just want to move out of Illinois. I'm done with Illinois. I moved up here from out of state. I like Illinois, but he was just done with it. And the sad truth of the matter is he never left. We went on vacation a couple of times to New Orleans to see my family, but he never left. So the lesson here is, you know, if you really want to do something, you got to go after it. I would agree. I, you know, there were so many things that could have stopped us. I remember having a conversation. We, we both were, you know, working great jobs outside the home, nine to fives, no, you know, double incomes, no kids. You know, we, we had our whole lives ahead of us. We had the, I always say the white picket fence, American dream. And what I remember the one conversation we had was, well, we both lease cars and our leases aren't up until September of 2019. It's probably irresponsible to do this. And I, I said, you're right. It could be, it could be irresponsible. We could lose money, but we could also lose time. And what's it worth to us? And, you know, I think people think I'm crazy. I, I, my job, um, I stepped back into a part-time role. And then a year after we left on the road, I, we just parted ways because it was easier for, for what to, I was doing to be done in the office. And people think I'm crazy. You left a good job. Like, what were you thinking? And I'm like, I was thinking I wanted something different. I was redefining my dream and I've been able to work remotely for myself from amazing places. And that's, that's worth more than the picket fence in the front yard. And I have to ask you this, how much lower is your stress level? Oh, it's so much lower. I think the things that cause me stress now are, is there somebody doing laundry in the laundry room? I mean, it's like such low key and it's just, it's just so interesting that, you know, a shift in, in lifestyle and priorities can make such a huge impact on your overall joy and happiness. And I probably work more hours for myself doing what I love now than I was working for somebody else living the American dream. But, you know, let, let's take, let's take a moment and dissect that. Who created the American dream? You know, when did, when did the American dream evolve to being, you know, if you think back, there was a time and I'm, I'm, I'm glad women have the right to work. I'm not saying, I don't get me wrong here, but there was a time, even when women were working, that you had still family time. You still had time to be with your spouse. You weren't working two jobs just to keep a roof over your head. And you weren't going, okay, well, I'm too tired to cook dinner. Let's just stop at McDonald's and not even get out of the car to stop at McDonald's. So when, wait, we don't even have cash. We have a credit card. I mean, 
it, our society has become so instant gratification, but it's all, the thing is that instant gratification has some se severe cost to it. You have not only the cost of money, because a lot of the times, are you using a credit card or are you using your debit card? And right. that, that $5 burger now, if you're using a credit card, has how much interest tacked on? Secondly, the time you have is valuable. It's valuable to everybody. I mean, the time you spend with somebody, you're making memories. And that really comes to a point where you have to step back and go, what is causing me stress in my life? Why are we all so stressed out? And is it because we are all trying to have the American dream and keep up with the Joneses? Someone else's definition of the American dream. All right. I mean, you said you have no, you don't have any children. There's that priority as a woman, and I'm sure you went through this growing up. So when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? You know, looking back, do I wish I would have had biological kids? Possibly. But then part of me is like, my life would be different if I had. Yeah. And, and do you want, you know, that's a whole nother stress on you besides biologically. It's also stress on you with fear, worry, and are you doing the right job as a parent? So your life, by taking you out of corporate America, you've lessened your stress. You have more time to actually look at a sunset or a sunrise and appreciate it for what it is. Go so, for a walk among the changing autumn leaves mm -hmm. and that's get up a, and open all the windows and look outside. I mean, it's just such a different experience. That's an amazing thing. It really is. And most people will not, you know, they'll say, well, yeah, but I want that house. I want that. I want that Gucci purse. Maybe I'm wrong about Gucci purse, but you know what I'm getting at. They want that, that label that we see on Instagram. You know, there, I think there's two types of people on Instagram and I could get blasted, but that's fine. There's two types of people on Instagram. There's the people on Instagram that want to show you this lifestyle that is fast cars, designer clothes and whatnot. And then there's the people who want to show you real life. But the I, people that show you real life aren't quote unquote influencers. The people that are showing you expensive stuff are influencers. Why are they influencers? I mean, my gut instinct is because they can take better pictures, right? Because their, their profiles look prettier and we want to be just like them. Or, but do we? Do we? Or is it that somebody can take, they're taking this and saying, okay, I can take this book and I, well, we won't use it a book. We'll say it's purse. I'll take this purse and I'll say, oh, this is the best thing ever. It'll cost you $2,000, but don't you want to I mean, look how fab I look. Oh, well, yeah, I have to have that. Yeah. Why? Next season, apparently, it's not going to be in style anymore. 10 years from now, it'll be back in style, but we're not going to tell you that. Get back in your cupboard and cut your cabinet and bring it out in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. We don't it'll be that. vintage. Yeah, then you have to get rid of it. And then, oh, look, it's a vintage da-da-da-da. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. So, I mean, that's the other thing about living in an RV. You had to get rid of most of all your possessions, didn't you? Yeah. So fortunately for us, we had only lived in our house for five years. So we had already done some major purging when we moved from North Carolina to Pittsburgh five years before. Actually, this conversation lends itself to a lot of what we've been talking about. So the weekend that we received the offer on the house, we also had a massive garage and yard sale. 
every item from our house, everything from our bed to our couch, our TVs, everything had to go. And there was this for sale sign had been put in the yard on the house, even though we had an offer and people would ask, Oh, where are you moving? Are you moving locally? And with a big grin, right? Because I knew nothing. I was like, we're moving into an RV to travel the country. And it was, there were two people, there were two sets of people. Some that were like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I could never do what you're doing, which I get because there are definitely some challenges. And I think a lot of it too, is a mindset shift. Um, but the other people were, oh, my parents always wanted to do that. Or, oh, my aunt and uncle are always wanted to do that. Or, oh, we talked about doing that for so long and we just never got around to it. Or we were, were waiting for retirement. And it was, it was just interesting to hear the different, the different people. But if I had a dollar for every person that said that someone they knew had talked about doing that and didn't, it almost reaffirmed our decision to take the leap because we didn't want to be in that comp. We didn't want to be in that segment of people that had talked about it and waited until the leases were up or waited until a different job opportunity came or waited until we had, you know, X magical figure in the bank, because there's always going to be challenges. And, you know, if the furnace went on the house or the roof went that magic number in the bank would have been taken. And we would have delayed the, the inevitable further. And it, it was just, it was so reaffirming to have this conversation with all these people about how they knew somebody that was going to do it and never did, or they were waiting for, for when they retired and us, you know, in our thirties, like, oh, well, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. We're getting rid of all this stuff. Oh, do you want these cookie cutters? <laughs> so, and that's the thing stuff. While it holds value, it it doesn't necessarily hold value. And I mean, I'll be honest, I'm going through my own kind of purge right now because since the husband passed, it's it's been a year now, it's been over a year and I've been slow to do it, but it's like, I have to start looking at changing my life and selling my house and the things that meant something to him that don't hold value to me. It's not disrespectful, but how do you do this and how do you navigate it? I applaud you because you had somebody with you to do it. It's not always so easy to do it when you're the sole person. It gets frightening. I would say that it was, it was frightening too with somebody. I I think, I almost think it's a little bit, I'm not going to say harder with somebody but we each have our own perception of the, of the thing, you know, like I have an heirloom cedar chest that I didn't want to get rid of, but it's too heavy to come in the RV. And funny, funny thing was my parents were downsizing their house at the exact same time. So there was no like, Hey mom, can I put this in the guest bedroom? So, you know, that, that cedar chest really, you know, holds no sentimental value for my husband. I mean, it's, it's a cedar chest that the cat sat on and looked out the window, but to me, it was a family heirloom that, you know, all of us got, got them, all of the grandkids got them. And so I didn't want to be the one that got rid of it. So what do you do? And, you know, for us, we 
pay for a small storage unit, very small. I'd like to make it even smaller, but it is only just a the tiniest one we could, could get. And I know that there's things in there that we don't need that we just kept because we had a storage unit. And so we keep saying, oh, we should go and get rid of that and only keep the things that we really want. And maybe somebody will let us stage a room in their house with our, <laughs> with our stuff that we don't want to get rid of. Or maybe we can re renovate the RV and put it in here. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you make a valid point. You do it. it in that aspect, that's easier because yeah, you, you have, I don't have that, that push pull. That being said, I also don't have, I don't want to open up my house and say, Hey, come on in. Because being a single person, it's just kind of like, mm, you know, mm -mm. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's always, you know, as a, as Irma Bombeck used to say, the grass is always greener. So you can, I can see your perspective. I'm sure you see my perspective and it's like, but yeah, right. it's, it's, it's a very, very, we're taught that you're supposed to amass things. We're taught that way. And at a certain point, some of them hold memories, but some of them don't. So and yeah, go ahead. And I think those things change. I think as you, your life evolves and as you learn, you know, you go through other experiences, the things that held value don't always retain that value from a sentimental point or from an intrinsic point on, on your journey. True. Very true. So where do you see, okay. So where is your next stop on this, this grand adventure? Well, on a normal, in a normal month, I'd be like, oh, I'm planned out for six months, but frighteningly enough, I do not have a next destination. We leave here next Wednesday and I have several emails to some RV parks with waiting on responses to what their availability is. Our next booked time is, uh, in South Florida at, in the middle of December, so we've got two months that we are going to kind of avoid Florida in case of hurricanes, but not get too far away. So maybe some somewhere in Georgia, somewhere in Eastern Tennessee, maybe more around here. And we've been, so we left Glacier, Montana or outside of Glacier National Park, Montana, uh, August 1st. And we moved very fast to get to Myrtle Beach in September. And so we'd been on this path of moving every week wow. for several weeks for almost two months. And so this has been a, a week and a two and a half weeks stay here. And we've really enjoyed just being settled for a little while. So we might look at a couple of month stays for the next two months, and then we'll be in Flo in Florida for the winter to so take advantage of that flip-flop weather. Where do you think you're after Florida? Where do you see yourself going? I mean, have you been everywhere you want to go already? Or are you still just. We have not been everywhere we want to go. We have visited 26 states and I think 17 national parks. So our goal is to see all of the U.S. national parks and drive the RV to the 48 lower states. And then eventually we'd like to visit. Alaska, possibly with this RV, uh, where it's a 35 foot fifth wheel. So we might opt for something smaller for that trip. And then of course we'd love to get to Hawaii, but we're not taking our RV over there. Um, 
So right now the calendar, the potential calendar, I always put air quotes because I, I tell every, I tell everyone I commit to nothing anymore. <laughs> um, we're, we're hoping for Maine next summer and then possibly back out to Utah and Montana the following year. Um, maybe even Colorado, my brother lives out there. And so it's just exciting to, you know, to kind of see the, the country and visit people and enjoy that along the way. What about Canada? Eventually Canada. One of the reasons we didn't plan Canada in was the cats. So it is, there's, there's some regulations that you need to go through to transport pets. From what I understand pets across the border. I don't know all the details because I figured we could do the U S and then, you know, look into Canada as, as our experiences happened and we learned more about it, but we grew up, my husband and I both grew up in Western New York. I grew up in Rochester and he grew up South of Buffalo. So we've been to, you know, that area of like Niagara falls and places like that in in Canada. So we definitely want to go up there. I mean, there's some amazing national parks and beautiful country up there. So it would be on the list. So do you ever see yourself buying a piece of property to put yourself, you know, put roots down? I don't know. I, we talk about it, but it's more like, can we buy property so that we can just park there for three months during their optimum weather season and then buy property somewhere else and park there and then buy property. So I don't know. People always ask, how long do you think you're going to do this? And I was like, oh, as far as I can see. And when I get there, I'll figure it out. Right. That quote, uh, go as far as you can see. And when you get there, you'll be able to see further. That is our mantra with RV life. Like it could change tomorrow. It might not change for 10 years. We've got so much, you know, so much to see. And, you know, somebody said to us once, what happens when you've seen it all? And I was like, do you really think we could see it all? I mean, every back road, every cute little town. I don't know. I I mean, it's possible, but I just think there's just so much to see. You could, could be doing this for so long. Well, and everything is constantly changing. Yes. New national parks. I mean, they just added the new river gorge in West Virginia as a national park. I think this year and the last year, I mean, that's, we've been there, but now we have to go again now that it's a national park. So see, I mean, things change and and that's the whole thing about life. It, It constantly changes. So is your husband less stressed now that he's doing this as well? I would say yes. I would say yes. He, he loves his job. He works for a software company and he, you know, gets up and he's, he's just less stressed. We don't, we don't have that commute in traffic that we used to have. Um, even moving days, like we've got it down to a routine. Um, and we just, I don't know, it just, everything just kind of flows and, you know, we're, we're pretty, we call ourselves positive silver lining people, you know, even if there is a challenge, we'll find a solution. So we don't, we don't really focus on, you know, I've heard people say, oh, my bathroom's too small. And I'll joke around that I don't have a dishwasher, but it's really not that bad. No, I mean, if it's only you two and has this made your marriage stronger? I mean, some people say, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine living in such a small space with this person all the time. So has it made it stronger? It has, it has definitely made it stronger. People did warn us about that. Oh, make sure you have a separate place to go. Make, make sure that you, you know, you know, and 
one of the things that we really focused on is, is just having open communication. You know, we, we both work from the RV. We both work in this small area. It's a couple's coach. So there's not a bunkhouse that we can separate. I mean, it's living room. Like I'm in the, I'm at the dining room table, which is my desk and the kitchen's right here and the living room's back there. And his desk is the reclining chair area behind, behind the back of the computer. And then, but he's on a call. So he's in the bedroom with the door shut working from the bedroom because that's all we have. And it's raining today. So we can't go sit outside at the picnic table, <laughs> but I mean, which that, sometimes happens. I'm, I imagine so. And that's the thing. I mean, with my husband, I was around him almost 24 seven at a certain point, but we had a bigger house. So I get it. I mean, not everybody. And you should applaud yourself because most people can't handle being around their significant other for that amount of time. I would agree. And I think early on, you know, I think early on, we were just so excited and we were just so excited to be doing this and really started to get in a routine. Fortunately for us, we both like cook so we can get into the kitchen and it's like fun time for us. And I know a lot of people, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, we just have a, a routine, a system. We, we pull weight, you know, he does certain things. I do certain things and just really worked out. But I think, I think the excitement in the beginning allowed us to create habits and routines and patterns that really, you know, solidified that and strengthened that open communication and how we were going to handle, you know, I mean, disagreement or frustrations, how we were going to kind of handle that. And that's important. I mean, I think that's where a lot of relationships have issues is because there is an open communication. You don't always have that, that clear of, I'm not, you know, we, John and I used to joke around, it wasn't so much of a joke, but because he was dealing with end of life issues and we had some other stresses occasionally, we, we bought a little blue panda. And I know that seems totally ridiculous. It's about this big. And there were times when I knew he didn't want to talk or vice versa. And the, the panda would be placed on the table at breakfast. And eventually we would talk about it, but it was like, okay, you already know going in that this day may have some challenges. And I think that it's, it's communication without verbal communication. I think if you can do that as a couple, then that works. So. Yeah. And I think for us too, we, we can't escape it. Like if, if I wake up in a grumpy mood, where's he going to go? Like, yeah. You can't escape it. So you have to confront it and it is challenging in the beginning, but I think, you know, I love that idea of, of the visual, the visual communication, because that really does help. Um, and, and really, like I said, just confronting it with, as a team, you know, for us, we talk a lot about, you know, we're in this together as a team. If there's an issue with the RV, we're dealing with it as a team. It's not your fault or my fault. It's, the situation that we're going to find a solution for. And we'd been working on that kind of mindset stuff for a while before RV life. So I think it also allowed us to make this decision because we were looking at all the situations, all the, you know, we had some obstacles moving forward with RV life too. And we were able to confront those as a team early on. And it just further solidified that, that part of our relationship. How hard has it been with the pandemic and doing this whole process? Well, the, the irony of all of that is in February of 29, 20, when did the pandemic start? 2020. 
I don't even know. It's been crazy. The February of 2020, I actually, I hadn't been working for about three months and I was slowly building up veg inspired and like really getting back into a groove with it. And I said, you know, a lot of people work camp. Why don't we give it a try? I think I only need to work like 20 hours a week and we'll get our site, uh, you know, discounted or whatever, however they compensate. So why don't I give it a try? So I applied for some work camping positions and I got one. And so I was to start at the beginning of April in 2020, and I was to carry out the summer. And so for us, not knowing anything about the pandemic, that was a huge blessing because we had a safe campground where we were allowed to go that had a parking spot for us where we could stay through November. And it was perfect. The timing was perfect. And I loved work camping, but now, now that I'm so you know, I found this passion with what I'm doing with the, with the veg inspired work. I probably wouldn't devote that time to work camping in the future, but I did love it. I thought it was a great opportunity and I loved meeting the people and being able to be an active part of a campground. So it was really fun and perfect. And I, and I think, you know, the pandemic has changed a lot of people's focus because, you know, I know we're going to talk about healthy eating in a minute, but you know, like my McDonald's in town, $16 an hour to go work at McDonald's because they can't find anybody. And I I think, you know, maybe the pandemic has kind of shifted to people saying, you know what, I'm of more value than some task where I'm going to be berated and treated poorly. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. I would agree. So let's shift since we've talked about the RV, let's talk about veggie inspired. Let, let's let me know all about that. Yes. So veg inspired was an idea born after I adopted a, a plant-based way of living. So that was about eight years ago. And really I, it changing from eating the standard American diet of animal products and and animal byproducts and all of that to eating plant-based really changed my focus on just what healthy could look like and how it could feel. And so I wanted to teach other people, you know, I'm a school teacher by trade and I haven't, haven't taught school in eight years now, seven years now, something like that, six years. But I, I still love that education and that guiding people to find the answers and really providing that inspiration. And that's really what I I've been focused on lately. Um, and the opportunity came to write a couple of cookbooks. And so I forged forward with all new recipes and wrote them right out of the RV, which is insane (laughs) to think that I recipe tested in 310 square feet. But, but here's the interesting thing. You were talking about remodeling the kitchen. It all goes back to that. And the other thing I was going to say, so a teacher by trade, the one thing about being a teacher now versus a teacher then, even though you're not really quote a teacher, is what, I don't know, what were you teaching? What grade were you teaching? Elementary school, fourth okay. and fifth grade. All right. So while you have some kids that are interested in learning, most of the kids that are there, it's just get, let's get through this. Now being a teacher, you're actually getting people that want to learn. So it's a different type of atmosphere to be a teacher. It's a more rewarding, I would think, even though kids are rewarding, I would think this would be even more rewarding. 
It is. And the people that I'm, you know, providing education inspiration to now, they, while there was a sense of appreciation with my fourth and fifth graders, the people now have such a different sense of appreciation because a lot of them are, you know, we're working on recovering, you know, reversing medical issues or, um, taking control of their weight or, you know, maintaining healthy eating habits, a healthy relationship with food, um, more energy to run their business. I mean, really it's, it, it's so multifaceted, the, the results that, that I've seen and been able to impart on my, on my clients and the people that I work with, that it is so rewarding because they, they can see it. They can show appreciation for it in such a different way. How, what kind of success stories have you had? Well, my, my favorite, so I started a group coaching program and a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. In six months, I had a client say by implementing the strategies that you've done, I'm finding this intuitive. And that's the whole, the whole purpose. Like we want you to walk into the kitchen and be like, I know what to cook tonight. I don't have to worry about it. I just eat more plants. Because when you were eating animal products, you'd walk into the kitchen and be like, I know what to cook tonight. There's nothing to think about. And so that's what I really tried to, you know, leading them through the, the framework that I tried over the last few years, when I really went from an ethical vegan diet to more of a whole food way of eating to maintain my energy and weight. Um, I really wanted to impart these habits, these daily habits, this mindset, this ease of making plant-based eating and plant-based meals more accessible. And so to hear somebody be able to say it's more intuitive, I've loved what I've gotten. I can't wait to continue to see how much more this evolves. I mean, that's just, it's empowering to me. And then I had another client two weeks after I started working with her. Um, she said, I'm just so tired. I don't know why I'm so tired. And I was like, you know, you are on medication for diabetes. Have you had your numbers checked? And sure enough, her doctor had to reduce her medication because she'd been eating so healthy that she was starting to not need the medication to, to, to control her type two diabetes. So it was just, it's just amazing the, the power of plants and really how they can affect your life. And then, you know, knowing what to ask so that they, that make the right choices. Yeah. I mean, when you look at diets and yes, our, our culture is obsessed with weight loss and diets. Um, not all the plans are really a mindset. You're counting points. You're, I mean, Noom allegedly, and I don't want to knock it allegedly works on the mind, but I've had friends that have said they've used it and it didn't play out all the way and I'm not knocking it, but the one I was on, which is Weight Watchers, I realize at a certain point, you're telling me, and I've said this before, it's a true nutritionist, you're telling me a chicken breast has zero points. Black bean soup, zero points. Okay, that's fine and dandy. And you're telling me I can have as many zero point foods as I want. But what about the calories? Doesn't, yeah. doesn't that bring in a question? And while I can lose weight, eventually my body's going to say, well, I want this over here instead of that. So are you really changing my mindset? No. And I was a former weight watcher and I was the girl. So I, I struggled with weight my whole life. I mean, I, I dieted, I tried everything. I tried the Atkins. I tried this, I tried eliminating everything and I struggled with it. And, um, I was the weight watcher that would eat the zero point foods all day long. 
I had, I was worked in a, I was, this is when I was teaching. I worked in a school that actually made chicken, chicken breast. They like grilled chicken breast every day. It was a private school. And I, so I could eat that in a salad. I would eat zero point foods all day and I would go home and I would binge on junk. Mm-hmm. I would eat Oreos. I would drink wine. I would, it didn't matter what it was. I was like, woohoo, I've got 25 points that I can eat. That's not healthy or sustainable. I mean, are you kidding me? Like Oreos are vegan, but that doesn't make them healthy. And so that was, <laughs> that was one of the big things that shifted for me two years ago was I, I had stepped on the scale and I was at my highest weight ever. And I was like, I've got to do something. Thing. I've got to take control. And I said to my husband, I'm going to try this whole food plant-based way of eating. I'm going to do it until I can get to my goal weight. And he said, no. And I was like, what? He's like, we're not going to do it till we get to our goal weight. We're going to just do it. Okay. We're going to make this our way of life. And I was like, well, that's good. Cause I was worried about the key lime, the vegan key lime cheesecake that we could get in Key West next week. And he's like, we're going to make intense daily habits. We're going to change the way that we think about this so that it's not a diet, a lifestyle. And so we were able to both of us to lose over 30 pounds. I've now lost 40, like, and I'm maintaining it. That was two years ago. And to be in this position where I don't have to stress about what I'm going to eat. And I don't have to track food. I don't have to log my food. You know, the only thing I log now is my, is my weight. And I only do that because I can tell that my clothes are not, you know, are getting bigger in weird places. And I'm like, I need to go figure out what, where I am on this, but it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the plan. You know, I had somebody tell me once any strategy will work if you work it. And it's really the mindset, right? Because it's not so much the, it's not so much the tactic, right? The eating more plants, the tracking your food, the numbers, it's more the frequency, the habits that you create, the way that you approach the food, you know, is this food for nourishment? Is this a binge? Am I going to cheat? Am I just going to go all out this weekend and not worry about it and start again on Monday? Yeah. And, you know, as I started to navigate that, that part of the diet culture, I really realized that that had always been, that had been the things that I'd always said, always tried. And when I changed the way I talked to myself about it, the results changed. And isn't that something that, I mean, think about it. It's ingratiated or ingrained in us since we are kids. I mean, it's, it has started younger and younger and younger that, you know, Oh, well, look, you know, they've had the happy meal now, now, now you're getting your kids going to be obese according to this, chart and it's like does the chart can you know you the one thing about and i know what i'm trying to say and i can't even think of the word but you know what scale i'm talking about the one that is not really even meant for diets but yet we've made it the standard to say you're obese okay and and a girl on tiktok posted something that makes it so true she's like i'm obese allegedly i'm obese did the doctor does that chart consider how much these cost meaning her breast no, no, they don't. No, because you're supposed to be a five foot woman with this. Well, guess what? That's not reality. No, no. And that's, that's the thing. You always try to they put everybody into a box, a cookie cutter box, and you better fit these uh, parameters. 
God, now it's compiling. Yes. I can't think of the word. I know what I'm thinking of, but anyway, you know what scale I'm talking about? The the weight loss, the, when they tell you you're obese, when they tell you it all goes by and I can't think of the name of it. Oh, I know that I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name of it either. I know. Oh. <laughs> all right. The, when all else, you're going to have to just Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I think the, the one size fits all mindset about all of this is, you know, what creates the, the problem in the culture, right? Like, like I, you know, I always say, I always say to my clients, they'll be like, oh, I'm going on a vacation next week. And I was like, well, make sure you've got your pivot back plan. And they'll be like, oh, it's vacation. And I was like, Mm -mm. the habit, if you do it once and then you do it twice, you're right on that downhill spectrum to get right back into the old, old patterns because they don't go away. It's just like a smoker who starts smoking again. Like it doesn't go away. It, it just, you've retrained your brain to think of it differently. And so that's one of the big things I teach my clients is if you can make breakfast and lunch, the same that you always eat when you're on vacation, you'll be able to pivot back much easier because your body's going to crave those whole plant foods. It's going to crave those, you know, refreshing salads or that oatmeal and berries that you eat for breakfast every day. Like you're not going to, you're not going to feel good. Right. BMI. The BMI. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I knew it would be something easy and we would be like, oh yeah. Going back, you know, when you're talking about that, my, my father-in-law, he, when he quit smoking, he told his kids, he's like, if I go back to smoking, I'm going to, and this was in the seventies, I'm going to go back to this pack of cigarettes, not going to go out and buy a new one. I'm going to have to smoke the, start with the pack that I have. So he put it in his drawer, didn't seal it, nothing, just put it in a drawer. When he passed away, we found the pack of cigarettes. So that, that made him, that determined him. And I mean, he had some stress when his wife got sick and everything, but he never went back to smoking because he honored that, that part of himself that said, if you do this, you have to go here. And that's kind of with the diet. Yeah. You're going on vacation and yes, you may have some food that you shouldn't like the key lime cheesecake, but you, if you stay truer to yourself, you're going to go further. Right. Right. You pivot back to those daily habits that support your goals. And I think that's where a lot of weight loss plans fails because we don't, we don't focus on the long term. We look at, okay, I'm going to lose this weight. And then I'm going to, I won't have to be on Weight Watchers because I got my weight down. And then I slid right back in. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happens. I mean, we get to that goal weight. And even with people eating plant based, they'll get to the goal weight and then they, add back in all the foods that they hadn't eaten because they're like, Oh, finally, I'm at that measurable number that I can see. And then you're like, yeah, but that's not good. Yeah. You don't want to do that. You you want to continue with the habits that you've built that support that goal, that person you're becoming, not the number on the scale. And that's where we lose ourselves because we we look at the scale. We look at a dress we want to wear and, and what society thinks is cute and what society thinks is healthy. And the one thing I think that we all, we all mistake, we all make the mistake of thinking that, you know, I I don't know how many times when I was younger and I wasn't that heavy, but I'm a, I'm a big bone girl, which I know people like, oh, big bones. No, people can be bigger bone. So, um, and I would be told, well, you know, once you hit 40, it's hard to lose weight. Okay. 
yeah, right, whatever. And when you really step back and you actually look at you look at the icons, we'll say Hollywood, singers, models, whatever, all of them have gotten a little wider. And it's not that they've gained weight primarily, it's age. We tend to, you know, there's not, there are some people that still maintain being skinny, but most people do get a middle-aged spread. Mm-hmm. It's nature. But yet we don't forgive that so much. Right. And why is that? Because we're, well, I think some of it is the programming that we have about ourselves. And so as we, as, as, you know, as we grow and age and ourselves, we have what the ideal looks like. And then we transpose that both on ourselves and on others. So whether it's, you know, whether you're even vocalizing it or not, we see people at that stage that may have the spread or may not be able to lose weight or may, you know, wear different clothes, you know, just any, any changes as they age and they, and we have this almost paradigm programming that tells us that, oh, that's not what society wants us to look like because we're still back over here at the programming that we had in our twenties of what society thinks we should look like. I think I saw a meme about that. It was like, somebody said something about how good she looks in her forties and what does, what's her secret. And it was like, the secret is that 40 is not old and stop letting the society tell you that it is and that you're going to be decrepit at 42. Well, it's like, it's like all those articles about if you're over 40, quit wearing this. If you're over 40, don't wear this hairstyle. Who, you know, if I'm comfortable wearing this and if I look dated, oh, well, it's me. It's what I want to do. If I want to walk around wearing several scarves looking like Stevie Nicks, then that's me. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the white picket fence. It's the American dream. It's like, where do you fit into this norm? You better fit into this complete cookie cutter package. Right. And, and And how do we... I, I mean, somewhat, I see us stepping back from that and some people going, I'm not doing this anymore. But it also means looking at the bigger picture as of, so what is the, what is more worth things? You know, are things worth stuff? Is money worth stuff? Is time worth stuff? What is the most valuable thing? Right. That's a great question we need to ask ourselves. What do we place value on and how, and maybe that should be the identity in our best version of ourselves, which might be the scarf wearing Stevie Nicks version that we feel the best in because that's when we feel our most self, Mm -hmm. our most self. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, there was a time when, you know, I was younger that I would wear short skirts and heels and I, I felt more confident when I had that persona but the truth is it really wasn't a persona but at the time that's how I allowed myself to believe it because most of the days I'd wear no makeup and look plain Jane but I knew once I put those heels on yeah I had it made I was I was good to go but why does why does that have to be you know I think I, I don't know. I don't know why certain things build our confidence. I know that for me, you know, when I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of public speaking, a lot more virtual speaking, obviously now. And because my lifestyle really 
doesn't put me in all the places I need to be at all the time. So a lot more on, on zoom and virtually, but I still want to show up, right? I'm in an RV. You can't see my waist down, but I'm always wearing my jeans. You know, I, I, I do my hair. I'll put on makeup. I, I went out and bought shirts that I could wear on camera that because I started to realize that my t-shirts that say like veg inspired and inspired we go and, you know, campground cute <laughs> mm-hmm. aren't necessarily always the persona that I want to put, you know, I have a shirt that I love. It's super comfortable. It says coffees and camp coffee and campfires, which is 100% me. I would sit by a campfire and drink coffee all day long if you'd let me, but that doesn't necessarily scream professional speaker to entrepreneurs. So, you know, I think it's, I think we show up differently based on the audience, but also the expectation, um, and really what builds our confidence. You know, I, when I'm wearing, I, when I'm wearing like sweats, I just, I guess I don't or I don't, there's just something about jeans and, you know, putting on some jewelry that just makes you feel more put together, even if it is virtual. Yeah. I mean, I went through this whole process because having the legally blind husband, I didn't have to care how I looked. It didn't matter. I wasn't trying to impress anybody. And I am an author and I had hired a publicist and, you know, she started telling me all these things that were possibilities. And I, I went out and got clothes. I went out and got makeup. I decided to, Hey, and I mean, before I even met her, I made a decision about a month after my husband died. It's like, you can eat your grief or you can choose to get healthy. So I put all these things into motion. And then, you know, I've had some regrets about doing some of the things I did, but it's like, I have one friend that constantly tells me, you have to go through that because she made you level up your game. And the fact of the matter is you wouldn't be doing your podcast and looking professional had you not done those things. And I always tried, you know, there's always that, that negative person that's sitting there going, look what you did. You really messed up. And the other person that's going, but look where you're at. And that's where I, you kind of have to go. Sometimes even I was reading Thinking Grow Rich today. And it's like sometimes in the darkest moments, you end up having the best outcomes eventually because you really, truly appreciate it. Yes. Yes. I love that book. I, I absolutely love that book. That's what my favorite books, Thinking Grow Rich. Well, the funny thing is this was my in-laws copy. So I kind of, it really has a lot more meaning because it's from like 1970 and it was theirs. So it's like, and they did well for themselves. So I can't knock it. So cool. what do you see? Are you going to be writing another cookbook? I mean, where do you see yourself headed? I mean, I know besides traveling. Uh, I'd like, I have some ideas for some other cookbooks. Um, that would be, so these three were really publisher driven. This one would be more along the, the framework that I, that I would pitch. Um, I actually have an idea for a coffee table book that incorporates travel and life and just my story. So I've got some ideas on the, on the table. Um, my goal, my goal is really be, to be able to inspire more people to eat plants. So more public speaking, more, you know, opportunities to really share my story and get get in front of people and get the, the story out about plant-based for health and, and energy and just overall joy in life. And then 
Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I really want to travel. We talked about that, you know, seeing the rest of the United States, but I'd like to do some international travel eventually too. So we'll kind of see what that looks like and can't take my cats internationally though. So no. And, and they're my ask, babies. you know, here, here's the thing. Are you gonna, are you going to be willing to get in a caravan over in England? You know, same thing, <laughs> but that's a whole other adventure because then you're driving on the other side of the road and all that other fun stuff. So on the wrong know, side of the road. Yeah. So you'd, you'd, it'd be quite the adventure. I'm sure quite the adventure. So I know you have, let's see, you have three cookbooks out currently 30 minute whole plant, uh, whole food, plant-based, super easy plant-based and budget-friendly plant-based diet. Yes. So if someone were interested in just starting out, which cookbook would you tell them that would be the first one that they should pick up? I always recommend the super easy. I think that's the one I, you know, after writing all three, I kind of call it the like trifecta of myth busting. People say it's too consuming. They say it's too hard. They say it's too expensive. So all three books kind of, you know, bust one of those myths. But the super easy one really shows you how you can make, it's divided into four categories. So no cook recipes, five ingredient recipes, uh, one pot or sheet pan recipes, and then some 30 minutes. And what I love about it is all of the recipes really come together easily. They use a lot of common ingredients that most people can find anywhere. So they're not getting weird things that they'd never heard of. Um, not that the other two really have weird things, but the first one uses a lot more of the traditional plant-based flavorings, nutritional yeast, miso, things like that. Um, I always say it's super easy because I think I really wrote that with a few people in mind that I thought would really love it and they're not plants. So I really wanted to kind of capture the flavors and the ease of the familiar foods that people would eat. So I had the question, ah, frozen versus fresh. Cause I know canned would not be a good option but some people do have food desert issues. So what is your take on frozen vegetables? Um, well, frozen vegetables are typically picked and frozen, flash frozen at the peaks part of the season. So I often will use them myself. Um, one of the downsides is that they tend to cook up with a, a different texture, oftentimes more mushy. So it really depends on how you're using them. I prefer my vegetables to be, to have more of a crisp bite, um, especially fresh. I'm, I always think of broccoli when I think of frozen vegetables, because I think frozen broccoli lends itself well in like a bowl situation. If you're doing like a potato broccoli bowl or, you know, cooking it into a soup or blending it or stir fry. But when you get into like roasting, you know, sometimes what we'll do is we'll let it thaw in a colander for maybe an hour before dinner and then roast it to try and try and recrisp it. Um, I love frozen corn, frozen mushrooms. You know, you can get those. I, I typically pick organic, but you know, one of the beauties of traveling the country is we've actually been able to see food deserts in real life. I mean, we've been in some grocery stores where there's food, but it's not the variety that we were used to living outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with, you know, three or four whole foods markets, yeah. you know, and so it really opened our eyes and really helped me on my, with my coaching, because I've been able to say, this is how we handled that because I prefer organic. 
but over organic, I prefer the vegetables that look the freshest. I want berries that look fresh. I can wash them with extra vinegar. I can soak them, you know, I want, but I want them to look fresh. I want them to retain their freshness when they're in my, in my kitchen. And a lot of times organic food in a food desert, it's not high demand. So it's usually not as fresh. It's usually older. Well, I love a lot of things that are, I've noticed. I mean, I live in a smaller town, but even going to the bigger grocery store the other day, there's a lot of empty shelves still. And yes. I'm not sure, you know, I'm a big proponent for cashew milk. I love cashew milk. But I've noticed since the pandemic, the chocolate cashew milk has gone away. And now yesterday, they didn't even have a spot for the vanilla or plain. Yikes. Yeah. So, I mean, even some of those things because of the pandemic have gone away. Well, tofu was highly sought after during the pandemic. I mean, I was remember testing recipes and not able to find tofu. And I was like, this is a vegan book. Like I need to have tofu in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hopefully eventually as, as we get past this, it'll get better, but you know, who's to say it's all they're, they're claiming a lot of supply chain problems. So we'll see. So is there anything else you would like to add I just want to thank you. This was such a wonderful conversation. And I always love my, I always love sharing my story and, you know, connecting with new people. And I really need to send you a recipe for, if you like cashews for some of the cashew recipes that we like, we have a cashew cheese and a cashew butter that we make for pasta. So I'll send you some, some of those. All right. Well, I thank you for your time. And well, Kathy and I had a very interesting conversation. And I think, you know, when we look at the bigger picture, there's a lot of ideals that are placed on us when we're younger, that we, we have these expectations of standards that we're supposed to live up to, whether it be the white picket fence, having possessions, you know, that we're supposed to be working ourselves into the grave or even our weight and our looks. You know, maybe it's time now that we actually step back and go, you know what? I'm going to be me. I'm going to do me. That's all I can do is be me and center on focusing on being happy. While money is important and don't get me wrong, I know that we can't base our life solely on that. We have to base our life on time, love, healing, and being with the people we care about and enjoying life. I don't think we were put on this planet to suffer. And I hope you don't feel that way either. Embrace life embrace the challenges and, you know, look at, look at her and her husband, their marriage is solid because they've made these choices. Well, I'm not saying that everybody needs to do this. I think if we change our mindset about our identities and focus on who we want to be and owning ourselves and not looking at so much of keeping up with the Joneses, but creating the life that we want, that's the important part. And that's where we need to be. So if you want to find out about Kathy, go to Kathy. Um, Kathy has a website called veggieinspired.com. Her cookbooks will also be listed in the uh, show notes, as well as her website and all of her personal links. So I thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Better Two podcast. If you want to leave her a re review, please do. It's also available on YouTube. You can check it out there. You can leave a comment. And as always, you can ask me a question at Donna bettertodepodcast.com and also my links are in the bio as well 
And if you're in the mood for a book, well, I got books too. And you can find those at my website. So take care, have a great day and catch you next time. Bye. You're listening to the Better Two Podcast with DM Needham. Thank you.